0: It's time for Inside Sports Medicine, on Sports Radio 96.7 and 1310, The Ticket, with your host, Dr. Tio Soriao, orthopedic surgeon and medical director of Texas Sports Medicine and Orthopedic Group. Get your sports medicine questions ready and call 888-787-1310.
1: Good Saturday morning, everyone. Good Saturday morning and welcome to Inside Sports Medicine. I'm your host, Dr. T.O. Sourial. Live in the studio, episode 849. Wow, that's a big number. For those of you keeping track, thank you for being here. This is your sports medicine current events show where the topics are ripped right off of the sports desk. Over the next two hours, you're going to be informed, entertained, I'm sorry, for the next one hour. (laughs) Informed, entertained, and hopefully learn something new. You
2: almost got people excited with that two-hour thing. I know. You've got to watch it.
1: Well, we we did it for two hours for For, 21 years. Yeah, Uh, yeah, you're going to have a chance to call in, bottom of the hour. Phone number is 888-787-1310. I'll give it out again as we get closer. Those other voices you heard, Doctor Brad Ballard, Doctor Scott Blumenthal, Doctor, 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 Doctor,
2: and Doctor,
1: and Doctor. By the way, I just saw that the other day. Oh yeah, it was. I got up middle of the night for some reason, couldn't go back to bed, and I decided to go downstairs, turn the TV on, and "Spies Like Us" was on. Mm-hmm. And I always thought that that was one of the funniest scenes, and in fact, a lot of the movie was funny.
3: I'm jealous about your afternoon upcoming activity oh yeah i'm going to see top gun today
2: oh you mean maverick
3: yes is that what people
1: are calling it
2: (laughs) that's because that's what the movie is called yeah it says Uh, it in the title card you'll see
1: (laughs) okay i'm gonna go see maverick so next week we get
3: a movie review
1: yeah yeah, so (laughs) the problem with a weekly show is that by the time next, next week comes around i forgot yeah that's the problem
2: I watched Top Gun for the first time this past week. The original, the original Top Kidding. Gun. Yep.
1: Classic. Classic. Yeah, I watched it. Yeah, it was good. So Have you seen a new one yet?
2: No. All right. Well, I watched it in anticipation to, to go see Maverick.
1: I hear it's really doing well. All right, so we have a lot to get to today. Um, not everything is going to be medical. In fact, <laughs> our pre-production meeting, such as it is, was almost entirely devoted to non-medical, right? And we were, and there were there were voices being raised, and there were bets being placed
2: about the only thing medical about the pre-production meeting was that people's blood pressure got up. Oh, yes. Yeah. <laughs> well, no, <laughs> with what, we, we, with what as, we were talking about, we yeah. are
3: as, we are as divided on the subject as the subject itself. Well, one good thing came of it. Scott and I are going to
1: volunteer to be the team doctors for the LIV tour. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, are, th- are people saying it LIV or live? Live. You know, it's Roman numerals. Yeah. So,
3: do you still say it live? That's what I've heard on the competing radio broadcasts. Hmm. Yeah. So we're going to talk about that. But yeah, uh, I, the idea of of the medical coverage for it is brilliant. It is. Ju- it's you, genius. Um, you need to have your 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 people call them. I have contacts in the your PGA. <laughs> I have, yeah, I know people in the PGA, maybe. Yeah. Well. Yeah. Yeah.
2: Get your people on it.
3: I'll get my yeah, I'll have my people talk to your people. This yeah. could this could be a retirement strategy if they pay us as well as they're paying the players. I doubt that's I was gonna... about to say, yeah, I doubt <laughs> I'll that. I'll take one less zero. I doubt I doubt seriously that's gonna happen. <laughs> how, but about, so, how about two less zero? Right, <laughs> So we're
1: going to talk about that only yeah. because we all have opinions on it, and I'm sure you do as well. Mine will change if they hire me to uh, <laughs> be their spinal doctor. But there's also other pieces of sports medicine news out there. Uh, I thought this was intriguing, and Scott sent this to me, to both of us uh, earlier last week. Baba Watson, mm-hmm. a golfer. Right. Puts out a news release that says he's having meniscus
3: preservation surgery. Who do you think coined that term? I mean, because obviously he put it on his press release. Did, some, did, some his, PR. doctor, did his doctor say, we're going to do meniscus preservation surgery? Or I think some PR guy did that.
2: Sounds official. I mean, it sounds really official.
1: So, let's back up just a hair. I have always told you guys on the radio... Don't believe medical press releases that come out of an individual sport because they can tell you whatever they want to tell you, and it's not vetted, and there's not a cross-reference. So if it comes out that Tiger Woods won the Masters on a broken leg, right? those of us in the world of sports medicine think, well, that's not possible.
3: The other 98% of the world believes it.
1: Oh, yeah, he won the Masters on a broken leg.
3: But the, my caveat would be don't believe what you what you hear from individual sports plus Kawhi Leonard. <laughs> that is the weirdest thing. <laughs> that is absolutely <laughs> – has anyone heard from him? It's been silent for a year now. Yeah. Uh, and he had partial ACL surgery. Yeah. What does that mean?
2: Partial ACL surgery?
3: Yes. Maybe, maybe it was a partial, partially trained surgeon.
2: Maybe it was partially done. I don't. Or the, I don't,
3: yeah, they they just did half a certain.
1: Right. Thing. Right. I, look, uh, still again, and and that one that one is ridiculously weird because he is part of a team, mm-hmm. but the team didn't even know what to put out yeah. because he did not tell them what he was having done. This is that that's weird. So on the sports medicine press release part, um, this is what we talk about. We're talking about things that are that you guys would not really
3: have the chance to even question can you translate though that the meniscus preservation preservation, is for the the audience
1: so the meniscus is the pad and we have two of these meniscal pads there's a medial meniscus and a lateral meniscus one on the little toe side of the knee one on the big side of the knee and it's basically a cushion it's a cushion that's made of gristle and not at all unusual for this cushion to tear Mm -hmm. so people have torn cartilage it's a meniscus um Typically, typically, the tear is in such a way that you cannot repair it. You cannot sew it together. In fact, the vast majority, 95% plus... plus, really doesn't have a blood supply. And that's why you don't repair it, because it has no chance of healing. I can put all the stitches I want in it, but if there's no blood supply, there's no healing. But if it's torn in such a way, you can actually... Put a stitch or two in it Mm -hmm. and get the darn thing to heal. Therefore, you've preserved the meniscus. Mm -hmm. That's a longer rehab then. It is a longer rehab because you have to wait for the repair to heal and then you start the rehab. Mm -hmm. And so here's the point. In the sports medicine world, we do this all the time. Mm -hmm. Every time we do arthroscopic knee surgery for a meniscus tear, of course we want to preserve it. Right. You don't want to take a meniscus out that has a chance to heal; mm-hmm. that would just be silly. So when when they so when they come out and say he's having meniscal preservation surgery, first thing that comes to my mind is how do you know until you're in there and you're looking at it? Mm-hmm. Because it could very well be irreparable, or wh- which is the vast majority.
2: Or maybe on the MRI they saw eh. where the where the tear was and. Said that that's yeah. going to be their first attempt to go in and try to repair it as opposed to just debride it.
1: I think it's a PR ploy, but that's all right. It's something that we've been doing. I mean, people in the sports medicine world have been doing meniscal
3: preservation surgery ever since the 70s. Mm-hmm. Do, you, do you remember, this is historical, even before us, when when athletes would tear a meniscus? Take remember, it out. Menisctomy. You tore a meniscus? We're, take we're it out. Open up your knee and take it out. Sheesh. See, that I, was yeah, and and so here's the problem with
1: that. You take out the meniscus, you don't have the cushion. Your arthritis really skyrockets. How so
2: many it, how many future knee replacements did that turn into? All.
1: <laughs> well, I'll give you some even more striking historical data when it came to the meniscus. Um, I love the history of medicine. I know that we have a lot of doctors and nurses and medical students that listen to the show. It was thought at one point in the orthopedic world, that the meniscus was like an appendix. So if somebody had knee pain, mm-hmm. knee pain, could have been tendonitis. Let's go in and take out that meniscus. That's where the knee pain's coming from. So fast forward 75 years, yeah, we, we want to save the meniscus. So we have meniscal preservation surgery I wish him luck. Uh, how old is Bubba Watson because 43. 43. So he mm. my cutoff for repair if it's possible is 45 and mm. that's that's arbitrary. Yeah. It's just arbitrary. Um, and, but at 43 and 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 you go in there arthroscopically and it's the kind of tear that has a potential to mm. heal. Mm-hmm. Oh, I
3: would do it in a minute. Yeah. All of us would. Yeah. I was I was trying to look up where he had the surgery even if we knew the city, we could probably guess who the surgeon yeah. was. But I didn't say. Has right. it already been done? Yeah, apparently. Yeah. Yeah. So, um,
2: what's the recovery? That's a great question. On a on the debridement versus just going there and cleaning it out versus repairing. What is what? What's the difference? Yeah, if
1: you're going to go in there and just clean it out, it's three to six weeks. That's what I tell my patients.
4: Mm-hmm.
1: Uh, not at all unusual in the NFL to do it faster than that. So you have a scope on Monday
3: and you're back playing the next Sunday.
4: Mm.
1: Yeah, that's that's. It's not common. It's yeah. not common,
3: but but well, if, or if you're a 60 year old surgeon, I I was out playing golf within a couple weeks. You
1: know what? I forgot I did your knee. Yeah, I
3: absolutely forgot yeah, that. He had a meniscus. Was, yeah, that's recovery right. Recovery was easy. Yeah, uh,
1: but it wasn't preservation it surgery. Wasn't it was. It wasn't amenable to a repair. Yeah. I mean, sometimes you go in there and the thing is just shredded. I mean, yeah. It it's like sewing spaghetti. Um. All right. Man, that first segment went fast.
2: Yeah.
1: Are we on Facebook?
2: We are, but. Hi, you specifically not. are not, you're still in Facebook jail. I'm not.
1: Why are you in Facebook jail? I don't know. He,
2: he pissed somebody off.
1: I don't, I don't know. Oh. I don't know.
0: I thought I was likable. <laughs>
1: Inside Sports Medicine coming right back.
0: Inside Sports Medicine with Dr. Tio Soriel, orthopedic surgeon and medical director of Texas Sports Medicine and Orthopedic Group. Dr. Soriel's comments are meant for informational and educational purposes only, and not as a treatment. His comments are not a substitute for a visit with your doctor. And now, Dr. T.O. Soriel. Does
3: that ring a bell, Brad? Nope. This is even Latter-day skilly Dance from the Asia album. It's one of the later ones. The mm-hmm. early ones like Reeling in the Years. That was real classic.
2: I'm sure there's probably a couple songs that I would recognize well, at I've some told, point.
1: I've, I've said this before privately and on the radio. Anytime you hear a song 40 years later and they still play it on the radio yeah. and they still use it in ads, it's a good one. Okay. Yeah.
3: So I love this golf-themed sports medicine show because... I, I don't know if I sent you guys this, but the, one of the top LPGA golfers is taking some time off uh, because she was diagnosed with a, quote, tumor on her spine. But she played another tournament after it was diagnosed. I've been trying to follow it to see exactly what kind of tumor A 29. You know, most of the time it's a degenerative cyst kind of thing. But it would be unusual in a 29-year-old. She, that would be young for a cyst kind of tumor. So... It could be anything likely, hopefully. Well, don't believe benign. everything you
1: see medically related that comes out of an individual sport. I mean, obviously she's got something and the word tumor. I, I that's wanna, a big, yeah, it's yeah. A broad
2: big, yeah. term, but big, it's a scary term for a lot is. of people.
1: Right. It's scary for me. I, yeah. Right.
2: I mean, because the big question, obviously, is whenever, whenever we hear it is, is it malignant? Yeah. Is it cancer or is it benign? You know, something that. Yeah, I think
3: there'd be more of an urgency if they, if it was, thought to be possibly malignant, she wouldn't have played in another tournament. They would right. be doing the full... Oh, she did play? Yeah. She played in the U.S. Women's Open. Oh. And then now said she's... It's Danielle Kang. Um, and now she said she's taking time off for her health. I wish her luck. Right. And, I, mean, and, I wish and, her luck. And interestingly enough, again, read between the lines, the back pain and this quote-unquote tumor may not have anything to do with each other. Incidental finding. maybe incidental finding like a lipoma or mm. uh, there's these little... Um, Collections of spinal fluid, you know, called uh, Tarlov cysts uh, that are thought to be asymptomatic except by one doctor in Dallas who specializes in doing surgery on Tarlov cysts, which I've never done in 30-something years because for the most part, they don't cause symptoms. So
1: it's funny you you said something a little earlier in passing Mm -hmm. that registered with me and Brad but probably didn't register with everybody else. We were talking about you were talking about this golfer uh having possibly something degenerative, but at twenty nine years old I wouldn't expect that. Correct. Okay. That that's a big thing to say and yet not emphasize because yeah, we do not expect mm-hmm. to see tendinosis in a sixteen year old basketball player. Yeah. Right. We do not expect I saw so interesting case, I'm I'm sure that Dad is listening because he's a fan of the show. Um, I saw a young athlete, track star, uh, came in for a second opinion with her dad. And I think the working diagnosis was hip bursitis. And I walked in the door. I said, hey, I'm Dr. Soria. I'll get to see you, blah, blah, blah. I don't usually see 18-year-olds with bursitis.
2: Yeah, exactly. First
1: word that came out of my mouth is I don't usually see bursitis eighteen year olds with bursitis. Right. So that automatically put me in a different category of all right, well it's not, it can't be Bursitis. So what else is it yeah. in an eighteen year old? Yeah, take,
3: for sure. take a couple steps back. Let's let's start from the beginning. Exactly. And exactly. try to figure this deal out. And
1: it's funny, that's exactly what we did. And it you know That's it's, exactly what we did.
3: It's the same thing. When when I see champion tour golfers, right. my differential is a lot different than How? twenty-nine year old LPGA, oh. no you know, body mass index twenty or less golfers and that's 100%. A, and that's that goes for regular joes
1: yeah i mean the vast majority of our practices are regular joes and it, it, we form a differential diagnosis early mm-hmm. early and it has a lot to do with age it has a lot to do with activity level it has a lot so you form a, and there are some things that are common in a 59 year old that is yes. just not common in a fifteen year old.
2: Listen, if I'm just looking at my schedule and I see a new patient, fifty-nine year old, knee pain, knee swelling.
1: I know what I'm looking at.
2: I've already got okay, arthritis is probably up top of the list. Yeah. <laughs> Second thing, maybe degenerative meniscus. But like just listen without they before they even say anything, before I even walk in the room, I've got an idea. Same history 20 29 year old yeah i'm thinking something completely different Hundred percent just think, change the age and i'm thinking something different
1: and hopefully all of us do this in fact i think all of us do this except physician extenders mm. i'm gonna take a left turn here mm. i'm probably gonna piss off a lot of people can i borrow your flag Oh geez! Where'd you get this, by the way? I want a flag for. We my, made it for my office. We made it. Somebody made it for me. Because I I thought you bought it. Somewhere. No, no, no. I did buy it. I think that was from a sporting goods store.
4: Yeah.
3: You can
1: buy a one of these yellow flag. Yeah. I mean, where do you think referees get their striped shirt?
3: Sporting goods store. Amazon Prime. <laughs> Let's move on. Yeah. So, no, so I want to no, hear. I, yeah, I, I, no,
2: I want to hear what he's talking I about wanna, with this okay, physician okay, extended thing.
3: I, before, go ahead.
2: Scott's already throwing the flag on Doc. No,
4: no,
3: okay.
1: And it's a broad stroke, what I just said. Okay. So right. there are exceptions. There are very qualified, experienced physician extenders, nurse practitioners, PAs, et cetera. Yes, and and if you're one of those people, uh, it's not my intention to insult you. However, this is a story. This is a story
3: that I saw the other day. That genie's so, already out of the bottle, though right. Oh, I've already pissed him off. <laughs> yeah. I know, I know, I know. I know. Thankfully, my PA is on vacation, so I doubt she's listening. <laughs> Look,
1: you have a different kind of practice than we do. Okay, so it it don't feel guilty that you have a PA. I, we guilt, you just have a guilt different.
3: Guilt was not part. Guilt was not at the top of the differential <laughs> in responding to that felt. statement and that you just said that so, you just misspoke. I, and I'm I'm going to keep it really
1: generic. So I I, I had a, a patient who came to me for a second opinion. She had her MRI with her, and I said, "I'm curious." I said, "Who who ordered the MRI?" She goes. Um, well, I went to my primary care physician, and I said, um, "Okay, so I'm assuming they told you this." She goes, "No. You mean you're coming to me for a second opinion with an MRI in hand, mm-hmm. and no one has interpreted that for you?" That happens to me all the time. Okay, she yeah. said. She said, "No." Get mm-hmm. an MRI and go see the spine doc. Yeah, but see, here here's here's why I have a problem with this. What if there was a tumor? What if there was a cancer? What if there was something bad? it should not fall on me to deliver that news it should fall on the person who ordered the scan yeah
2: yeah but, but, I, but so, I I agree yeah but but I think sometimes and what I've experienced is that when they come in with this CD the the doc has looked at the report and have just said, Go see, go, go see whoever.
1: That's not what happens. That's not what happened. so so she goes to see a primary care doctor. The primary care doctor is not available. She sees his nurse practitioner. Mm-hmm. the nurse practitioner says, "Oh, yeah, your knee's swollen. we need to get an MRI. She mm-hmm. orders an MRI. Mm-hmm. And then she calls her, she she calls her back and she says, "Your MRI is positive. You need to go see an orthopedist." And she said, "I know, I know, I know. And she said, "Well, what's it positive for? I don't know." This, is, a, only, this is only my second off. week. That's just a cop-out. She, said, at least she read... said this is only my second week. So uh. here's the thing. Here's the point. If she did get to see the doctor, it wouldn't have been his or her second week. So you are passing this patient on to an inexperienced physician extender to make a diagnosis, order tests, blah, 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 blah. And now she's – I don't know how long she waited to come see me.
3: Now, this, this is – see i take it a step farther and and if insurance companies which i rag on all the time Uh yeah me too i'm not ragging this time if i was a medical director of an insurance company Mm -hmm. i would say if if we're going to authorize an mri of the knee it needs to be by someone who treats knees so in other words PCPs, yeah. you get an order from a PCP for an MRI. Primary no. care physician. No. you yeah. turn it down. I'm very comfortable with a PCP
1: ordering an MRI of a knee. Yeah. I'm very comfortable because there's a lot of times it comes back tendonitis and they're very capable of treating that. Even arthritis, they're very capable of treating that. What I have a problem with is someone ordering an MRI who's not qualified to interpret it. That's a problem.
3: Yeah. Uh, but that's... Uh, yeah. I, a, a lot of, at least in my field and spine... Look, people, I think it's a yeah most, yeah most yeah but but are, but, but, but it's different because they, you're a subspecialty punt, and they're trained they to look punt at on it so in other words yeah they could order <clears throat> uh anti-inflammatory and physical therapy but they don't they just it's they're just like okay yeah. you got a spine problem go see the spine doc when in fact the appropriate treatment if they haven't had it yet is PT I, I, and an anti-inflammatory
2: I'll put it to how, this, how I'll put it this way is that Medicine I would is, like to think That this was a unique case of someone who was who was early starting, you know, as a as a PA and and it it, kind of fell into that. Yeah. So I mean, I mean, you know what I'm saying? And that and that most are going to get the MRI, be able to at least give them something to say you get this is the reason why you got to go see him. The
1: Texas Medical Board has language in there about proper supervision. Mm-hmm. If you're putting a nurse practitioner with two weeks experience on the front lines, then you are not providing proper it's supervision. Your, it,
3: yeah, it's it's the physician's responsibility because you sign the paper. So this is interesting. See, I didn't mean for it to go here. Yeah, that's that's, that's why this show <laughs> so continues spun. to stay on right. air right. so and you've, after 849 and you've got two episodes. Other, two other opinions. So it I happened to me this week, patient comes in with MRI. So, you know, what are you here for? What's your diagnosis? I see you already have an MRI. Have they gone over it with you? No. Okay, so usually it's it's a scenario like you said. Yeah, like this there's there's was, this was something actually, on the
2: MRI. Go see the well, go right. go, this go see the well, your this, positive, Yeah, this right. one
3: had on the ordering person was uh-huh. a spine surgeon. Oh. I'm like well, I see that doctor. You know, XYZ yeah. ordered it. Didn't didn't you follow up with him to go over? the no i didn't really like him so i just had him order the mri i'm coming to you yeah oh, like, now yeah. that has happened and that, that, that is, is rare that has yeah, happened that, yeah. It, yeah. that i hadn't had that happen yeah. before it, i it, thought it was like i okay, could see i could uh, see dr
1: x what was the initials XYZ. xyz xyz i could see dr xyz sooner than i could see you so i just went there and had him order the mri i had no intention of him taking care of
3: me i've heard right. that yeah i've heard that <laughs> uh, look
1: um we don't have enough doctors we just don't we don't we don't have enough doctors so no, we don't
3: have enough good doctors
1: that's another story, but we don't, we just in general, we don't have enough doctors and therefore we need physician extenders. I get that. I absolutely get that. Um, I have an MA, Brad has an MA Mm -hmm. because when we say, all right, you need a prescription for Celebrex. I don't have the time to write that down. I, I let someone else do that. But in terms of diagnosing, examining, and coming up with a plan, it's all me. Yeah. It's all me. And, and that's what they pay their good money for. And, I, look, if if you were a, I don't know, I'm I'm reaching here. If you were a cancer doctor and you order this incredibly rare cancer blood tests, y- you are you have the responsibility to interpret that.
3: Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. Okay.
1: So what's the difference between that and a CBC that shows lymphoma? You you've got the response. You can't just order a CBC because it's a minor test and say. um... Yeah, uh, my my nurse practitioner is going to look at that. No, if you order a CBC, you have the responsibility it, it, to to at least sign off on it on the result, mm-hmm. just in case there's something bad.
2: Uh, in in a in this situation, when we come back, I want to hear how uh how it could or should have been handled.
1: I'm pretty sure it pissed off a lot of people. <laughs> and the ones that you didn't piss off Look, pissed off. So. Like, like Scott <laughs> said the a- genie's
2: out of the bottle now so I mean like we just, <laughs> I just want to I'm
1: sorry we- <laughs> this is Inside Sports Medicine coming back by the way the phone number uh, 888-787-1310 if you have questions or good comments
0: <laughs> Inside Sports Medicine with Dr. Tio Soriel orthopedic surgeon and medical director of Texas Sports Medicine and Orthopedic Group Dr. Soriel's comments are meant for informational and educational purposes only, and not as a treatment. His comments are not a substitute for a visit with your doctor. And now, Dr. T.O. Soriel.
3: Skill leader. Classic classic. Yeah, I've you heard this. I've heard song. this
2: before for sure.
3: This song should be in your top library. ten. Your, your your fifty songs in your top ten.
1: Welcome back to Inside Sports Medicine. Tio Surreal, Brad Ballard, Scott Blumenthal.
3: Gulp. Gulp. It's time. Alright. <laughs> we must. <laughs> I think I have to take this call. Prepare for your fifty lashes. Hang on.
1: All right, let's go to Michelle. Good morning, Michelle. What's up?
5: Good morning, guys. How are y'all doing this morning? We're doing great, Michelle. I'm going to start off by saying I'm
2: sorry, I'm sorry, I'm <laughs>
1: sorry. I
5: You well, knew you were going to get this call. I am well, you so, knew. Absolutely. I, soon
2: as soon as I saw the phone ring, I said, Doc, <laughs> get ready to
3: talk to the PA. First, we need to know what specialty you, you do.
5: Fine.
3: Oh, no. Oh, do nice. I know you? I don't think so. Okay. <laughs> okay. <'cause> I,
5: okay. <laughs> well, spine. Scott's like. Yes, I know, I know. I
3: know spine's a small world. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe,
5: possibly. All right. So, what's your uh, two cents?
1: Because, look, I, I did preface it early. I'm trying to climb myself <laughs> out of this hole. I said, <laughs> okay. not everybody fits into this category because some are very well trained and very experienced and have tremendous supervision,
3: but that's not <laughs> typical. But that's not typical. And I have a I have a great spine PA also, just like I presume you are. All right, Michelle, yeah. what what you're what on. are your thoughts? You're, you're um,
5: so, well, I've been a I've been a PA now for I think it's been gosh like fourteen or fifteen years, and I've been with my surgeon for about thirteen of those. Well, so you, I think you can
3: tell us who you work with. No, no, you, no, that, no, no, no,
4: no, no, Michelle, let's
2: know. yeah, come on,
5: yeah. I don't want to say that. I'll tell you guys later. Um, but anyway, so I, I completely understand what, what you're saying um, about, you know, MPs or PAs coming straight out of school and kind of being with someone and maybe not being completely confident when they come out. Right. Um, because, you know, the training is, you know, shorter. Um, you know, we do have a little bit of a learning curve. But I will say that whenever I came out of PA school, I did a residency. So they have PA surgical residencies. Um, So I went to Duke for a year, a post-surgical residency after PA school, and I was basically thrown in there. I was basically a first-year resident. They threw me in there with a pager and was like, good luck. So, I mean, I learned so much in that year. So when I came out of that, like I was way more confident and had a lot more just medical information in my brain. So I think I kind of came out a little bit ahead of maybe some of that just basic training. Mm -hmm. But I will say a lot of the docs do Stay with you, or they kind of watch you, and they, they're you know they've got your back for those first couple of months. But I, I think that also, I mean, it just kind of depends on your personality, right? Because there's doctors that you look at some of their stuff, and I'm reading their notes, and I'm like,
2: what's going on? Are you talking (laughs) right?
5: That doesn't even that's not that doesn't even make sense, you know. And I think it just takes time, and and like I said, it does depend on your personality. It depends on you know, or if you're gonna take the time to learn, if you're gonna take the time to read afterwards. But I think that's medical field in general right like you always have to learn you always have to read you always have to keep up with everything that's going on so i get what you're saying but i also feel like pa sometimes have been getting a bad rep because they'll come in and be like i want to see the doctor i'm like look man i'm going to spend way more time with you and go over way more things with you you know he doesn't have that much time so he'll be in here for maybe five minutes and be like get what she said bye you know so I all
3: think- right you're hired <laughs> you got to come over to TBR. <laughs> <Right. laughs> oh goodness! Oh
5: goodness! My doctor's not going to hear that. Right. <laughs> no, but I, I think it's true. And I, and you have patients that come in and say, "Hey, I want to see you know the PA." They'll ask for us because they know like we're going to spend time with them. We're going to tell them why, what we go over their MRIs with them. I mean, I've been looking at MRIs for years now, and he, I mean, my doc trained me how to do that. He showed right. me how to do it. And I have questions. He's always there for me to ask him. But I've been doing it so long. Most of the time, I'm like, hey, this is this is what I'm doing. And and a lot of the times he, you know, he'll be operating or he'll go on vacation and he completely trusts us to run the clinic. And he's always a phone call away. Yeah. Well,
2: well, well, yeah, we all got something to say. I mean, Michelle, you make a great point because it was something I was thinking about earlier is that, you know, it's we're, we're talking about. Personal responsibility from right. from everyone. I mean, it's it's a physician thing too, right? We have a personal right. responsibility as physicians to take the extra step, go, you know, share the information on the MRI and and, and the whole nine. So, so I agree. I don't. I, I, I'd hate to just single out PAS because we all know, sitting here in this radio uh, studio, there are physicians that also don't, you know do their personal responsibility as a as a physician so uh, i i hear you
1: michelle you're you're obviously well trained well supervised and experienced i'm going to say that that is what (laughs) you have to have no i'm 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 dead serious you have to have good training good supervision and you will eventually earn the experience the problem that we're seeing and I mentioned it a little bit earlier we don't have enough docs we've got a lot of patients yep. in that there are some who are and by the way m- my reference early on was not about a PA it was a nurse practitioner yes. I'll be I, so. yeah I heard you right. anyway so the point is how do we fill that gap how do we fill how do we get someone experienced um, if they're not well trained and not well supervised well I don't know. I don't have an answer for that.
2: Well and part of it, like you said earlier, it's the personal responsibility of the person that they're they're supervised, that yeah. they're supervised under. They're, I mean
3: their doctor has to be responsible for yeah. ordering that MRI. Uh, Michelle, yeah. do you assist in surgery too?
5: <laughs> yeah, I, I used to. So this is this is great. So I used assistant surgery and I have neck problems and so like about two years ago I was like, Hey, I don't think I'm gonna be able to do this anymore and my doc was like, Oh, just you can stay in clinic, just stay with me, stay with me and I was like, All right, let's let's do this so we stayed i stayed in clinic and he was awesome about it because i was about to just kind of give it up because it was you know painful to operate but as soon as i stopped operating all that got better so i do not operate anymore mm-hmm. and i do miss it from time to time but i do not miss getting up at 5 30 in the morning to do it well
3: do you know how to put in pedicle screws
5: uh, Scott's no. Scott, Scott, trying to hire Scott, you. Scott, this Scott is, is not to an hire interview, you. Scott. This is not an interview. <laughs> thanks for your. Thanks Thank for you, your Michelle.
3: Those are really great okay, comments.
5: Y'all have a wonderful morning. Bye. You
3: too. That no, was a great call. See, that turned out better than you thought. You it did turn out better than I thought. Thanks. So, this but
1: so so, and I'm not. I'm not just trying to crawl out of this. <laughs> <deep hole. laughs> Yeah, she's she's a great example of what happens if you're well trained, well supervised, and experienced. And and absolutely, that's that's a very valuable physician extender, which is why Scott is trying to hire her. But but <laughs> that's not. not typically the
2: case. Well, it, it, that's not what, what we're seeing what, now. What, what I what I enjoyed what she described was the relationship that she has with the physician. Mm-hmm. That they got a really good tandem, you know, uh, thing going on where she can get a really really good history. He can come and do. What he's really great at in the period of time that he when he goes and sees the patient, right? I I I, I thought that was good. Yeah.
3: I had a, um, and I love my PA. In case she's listening, <laughs> I'm not trying to hire someone.
2: I don't know.
4: Um,
1: <laughs> I'm not I'm not really good at taking compliments. Um, uh, but I I received a really, or insults for that matter. But I'm not no I'm terrible at insults. <laughs> oh my gosh! I'll get defensive. No no no. <laughs> Uh, but I had a really good compliment, uh, I guess it was Thursday, and I, and I think this happens to all of us. This happens to um, most doctors, and when when the dad told me, I actually got chills, um, I completely forgot this, but I did a second opinion on his daughter, I don't know, five, six years ago, and um, she was set up for some kind of foot surgery, and I said, you know what, why don't we try orthotics first, and, and apparently it worked. Mm-hmm. And so, Dad comes in with another problem. Now it's him, mm-hmm. and I'm not in his network. And he says, "I came back because I trust you." Mm-hmm. That is the greatest compliment you can tell a doctor: "Is I trust you." At least me. That's I agree. that's I how agree. that's that's how that's how I took it. It's uh, the, it's the I basis trust you.
3: of any physician-patient relationship is trust. And It's mutual trust. I, it
1: is mutual trust. Yeah. I trust you to do the rehab. Right. I, I just i just thought that that was something that's worth mentioning for all the physicians out there and all the patients out there at the end of the day it's not so much am i likable am i not likable whatever it's do you trust me yeah and and i think that that's 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 what we all want all right quick little break inside sports medicine coming right back Is that the best music you can come up with? You don't like Black Cow? No, I don't. Oh, my goodness. This
2: beat is classic, though.
1: I've never heard this before (coughs) in my life. Really? This is from the same album as um, Peg, Aja. Asia. However you say it. Asia. All right. Welcome back to Inside Sports Medicine. T.O. Surya live in the studio. Dr. Brad Ballard, Dr. Scott Blumenthal, the uh, we. So we're we're going to do something different. So our pre-production meeting, which we normally discuss interesting cases, interesting topics, interesting stories that we want to share with our audience, was completely taken over by Golf Talk. The live tour. I don't even know if that's what you're supposed to say, or you're supposed to say L I V tour or whatever. So for the entirety of our 30-minute pre-production meeting, that's all we talked about. It got a bit heated. Scott and I are coming at it from two completely different angles. And Just for those of you who may not know what this is, it's the hottest topic in sports right now because the money is ridiculous. Um, There is a new golf tour that is backed by Saudi Arabian money that is headed by Greg Norman, from what I understand. And they are recruiting players, some of which play currently on the PGA, and pay them a lot of money. I guess it's like an exhibition fee is the only thing I can think of. Plus, they have big purses if you win. So mm-hmm. I think this London tournament, which is a three day tournament, the purse is twenty five million dollars. Wow. The winner gets four million dollars. I mean, this is there's big money and there's there's a somebody's taken a huge risk on this. And there's a lot of it that I don't understand. Uh, A lot of it that is just not out there yet. But Scott and I came at it from two completely different angles. I think this is genius. I think this is kind of something akin to the Formula One uh, with car racing. And Scott thinks that this is doomed to fail and probably won't be around in five, five years.
2: Yeah, you guys couldn't be on two more opposite ends of the spectrum. Right. Look, I'm it, indifferent.
1: Was it Phil Mickelson, $200 million? And, and, and DJ, how much did they offer him?
3: I, I don't know. Like
1: $80 million? or, or Anyway. So I, I don't know where you are on the fence, but I thought we'd bring in someone who might know more than we do. <laughs> so um, our guest this morning, and this is not sports medicine, even though I've taken care of him medically, uh is Hunter Mahan on the PGA tour for many many years. Good morning Hunter, how are you?
6: I'm doing great. How are you? Thank how are you, you guys.
1: Thank you so much for taking the time on such short notice to talk about this. So, look, I, I don't want you to say anything that is private information, but what's out there? What 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 do professional golfers think of this?
6: Um so um little background. Greg Norman has been looking into doing a world tour for probably since the early nineties. Um, he has always wanted to do something outside the PGA tour that, um, would be kind of like it is right now, but you know, probably not exactly, but, but a big world tour, kind of the best players in the world traveling throughout, um, all the confidence and showcasing golf everywhere and being a rival to the PGA tour Um, kind of basically because of, and I think that's why Phil and Greg have been so closely connected to this whole thing. I think they share the same sort of ideas about the PGA tour and their unwillingness to sort of adapt and to change. And um, guys like Phil and Greg want a little bit more control and they want a little bit more say in their own media rights and their own, Create a little bit more opportunities, and so this has been going on a long time. There have been rumblings about another tour for years, at least minimum of five years, um, of real people with real money kind of going to the tour or starting to do their own thing. So um, this is not nothing. This is anything really uh, new that the uh, tour hasn't heard about or doesn't know about. Um, so is a world I think we've seen. We've seen a divide amongst um, some players who are willing to go very quickly, and um, it's. I think a lot of players are still sitting back and just watching what is happening, and trying to sort of take it day by day and, and make their decisions um, from a PGA Tour perspective. Um, make their decisions um, whenever they feel comfortable about their choice, I guess. So
1: is a world tour necessarily mutually exclusive of the PGA? I mean, can't can't they coexist?
6: Yes, I think the um, I think Greg and his group have gone to PGA tour numerous times to talk about um, the possibility of, of working together in some sort of way. Um, they had the World Golf Championships events um, that basically involved all the tours. Uh, was kind of based off world ranking points and and winning at certain events, and you know, um, so th- those works. Very well, but uh, the tour has definitely not um, accepted or even talked to anybody regarding a um, another tour of this
1: magnitude. I, I, yeah. I don't know
6: how to say, it. yeah, this this powerful to say we are going to be around. And um, you know, the, the European tour's problem has always been kind of money and sponsors, right? It's just it's not as wealthy. At all the a lot of the best players eventually come to the United States. They all basically seem to move to Florida and they kind of take their game and they take, you know, the opportunities they have to make more money over in the United States and bring their families over. And that's what they do And the, in the, in the European tours kind of, you know, struggles in that capacity. Um, and so you're seeing a lot of uh, their players move very quickly um, uh, to this tour. Players maybe you might not recognize, but are pretty darn good players. Um, because this is an opportunity that they really, really can't pass up. So if you
1: if you play on the PGA, do they pay you? I mean, like, assuming you don't win. D- does the PGA pay the players?
6: No, the PGA doesn't actually pay anything. They, okay. they um, pay, Players are paying, you know, the live tour is paying for caddies. They're paying for uh, expenses. Right. Um, your expenses, your caddies, they're paying kind of for everything, so you are not out of pocket at all. Wow. Um, playing a PGA tour, but you are out of pocket. You know, you're three to five, maybe even ten grand. Out of your pocket before you even start playing. So, mm. um, so th- they they don't, and that's you know that's sort of an interesting part of this, on why top players would not be, you know, making a lot more money. That uh, seems maybe readily available to them. Uh, they're just not getting a piece of that pie because the tour has not, they have not changed their model at yeah.
2: all, at yeah. all for years. It, it, it seems to me like there's just the, this this need that has been created because the PGA has been around for so long and has done things the same way that the Live tour is saying, we're going to do things different and we're going to solve some of the issues that golfers have been maybe whispering about or had issues about. And it seems really attractive for those guys who, who you know, who they're talking to, you know?
1: Yeah. So, so Hunter, the only person in this room that knows what they're talking about is you. I, I have no idea what I'm talking about. We just don't know what we're talking about. Do you think that this live tour is going to be successful or do you, you don't?
6: Um, Somebody told me sometimes you just have to have enough money to push through Mm. and they have enough money to push through. So if they want to do this and they seem to be getting good players, you know, you're talking, I think they've got five master champions. um, They've got multiple major winners. Um, they have enough guys, it feels like to put a lot of pressure on the PGA tour and all the majors to say, we're here and we're committed to doing this and we're only going to get more and more players. So, um, I do think they're going to get a TV contract from somebody. Um, I think that's very, very possible. Um, going on YouTube is just a short, you know, it's just to get it out there and get people to see it. I watched a little bit of it. They're going to have to get a lot better in their commentary, uh, (laughs) um, they're going to have to be a little bit flashier. They're going to have to, you know, show different angles. Uh, they're just going to – it's their first week. It is. It's so their first week. As yeah. long as they adjust quickly and they maybe listen to fans and they start listening to people and, and make things on the fly, they have got a real shot to do something very um, powerful and nothing we've ever seen before, which has another professional competitive tour. Um, you know, we've never seen that before. So this is very possible. And they, if they're, if they're all in and they're willing to – adapt on the fly. The team event I think is a really, really good idea. Um, I don't think this is what it's going to look like maybe next year. I think it could evolve. It could change. Um, so, but it's interesting. And we're so, only, you know, a couple I, days in. So we'll see.
1: And everybody's talking about it. I mean, this Go is ahead. something that's getting worldwide attention.
3: Yeah. So H- well, Hunter, I, this, I, this is uh, Scott Blumenthal. And I'm missing you out at Dallas National. You probably don't remember me, but uh, you're at the, at the beginning with us all. And uh, But my question is um, – Two questions, actually. Number one was the the, the fact that the PGA basically kicked the guys out that went that direction. Did that come out of left field? Was that a surprise? And then the other question is the the kind of the principles in it, being Greg Norman and Phil Mickelson, is that a positive or a negative?
6: Um, so I remember they had a meeting about this, and I don't even remember if it was actually the Saudi group who was the first to to sort of bring this proposal to players and agents and bring it to the tour. This was the tour stance on this has been very aggressive and it's been very, they've been very consistent with what they've said. And it's, this is an absolute no go. Like the tour has never even talked to anybody about uh, another tour and their ideas and how, or if they can work together, the tour has just said, Nope, you guys are going to be gone. We'll kick you out immediately. We have that right you have this is, this is not going to be any sort of partnership that we're going to be a part of. Um, hmm. so, so, so it
1: doesn't sound like the, the suspension was surprising.
6: No, that's why guys were resigning. I think they just, you know, I think some guys were going to take their money and, and have no, um, they have enough. They don't need, you know, the senior tour. They're not going to really fight this. Um, you know, but I know that, you know, the loss is coming. Um it's 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 inevitable. This isn't like just oh they resigned and it's 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 over and it's fixed. It's it's there's a fight coming and what about that
1: um, uh what about the Greg Norman, Phil Mickelson combo? Uh is that a good or a bad thing?
6: Uh even that that's a kind of a wait and see. Obviously the Phil thing seemed really interesting. It seems good because that's like I said, Phil and Greg definitely have the same sort of ideas about another tour and leverage against the PGA Tour. Um, Phil has lost a lot of credibility over a short amount of time. Mm-hmm. And yeah. it's cr- If you told me that, I would have thought, you're crazy. Phil's one of the most beloved players that I've ever seen. I've, I've seen him, been around him in all kinds of rooms. He's been a mentor to me in many different ways. I am shocked on where his level of... of yeah. You know probably fandom is right now i uh, I am I am in shock and, and what has sort of happened to him is crazy to me to think that so uh, okay. right now it doesn't he does not carry a big stick like he like he used to and that's it's crazy to me to think that because yeah. he's to me one of the more stalwarts incredible yeah. players of golf
1: can't thank you um, enough can't you? thank you enough yeah. dude this is great the inside is fantastic I appreciate it appreciate it have a great weekend
6: all right thanks. hunter
1: Mahan. All right, on behalf of all of us here on Inside Sports Medicine, thank you all for listening. Until next week,
3: tell your friends. Tell your friends.